Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen, and my law firm, Brown & Crouppen, sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown and & Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. App. I spent four years in San Francisco. The Ryan Kelly Morning After. KPN-TFM. HD2. Collinsville, St. Louis. Listen up, y'all. This is a song for the Cardinals. It's playoff time. October's here. It's time to gear up and get ready. Let's hear you cheer, Cardinals baseball. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Happy fly, fly Fred Bird, retired numbers and players. Bush Stadium, the Arch, Clyde Stales, and the Rally Squirrel. Yeah. Game six, walk off, victory, fireworks, championship parade. To the wave, to the wave. To the wave. Right there. playoff baseball, let's fill the seats with red. Time to work on magic 12 and 12. 23. Right. Oh, yeah, guys. All right. Here's the break. I'm going to give you the lineup. It's all right, Kelly. Morning after. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the radio program. Timothy Michael McKernan, Jackson Burkett in for Douglas Elvin Vaughn, who is off recovering from his hair transplant surgery. Can't wait to hear how he's uh, yeah, feeling. We'll be back on the air on Thursday. Uh, KG No-Town is here uh, as well. Ken Strode is out uh, handling a company audit uh, with corporate... In his Hawaiian outfit. In Minneapolis. I think they may have issues with this outfit. Uh, The program is off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Who will receive the complaints regarding... I will. You think so? Yeah. Well, I don't think people usually go to me about it. They'll talk about me about it, but they right. go to me about it. Like net, like net. Hubbard is off on Monday and Tuesday. The program is off on Wednesday because both me and you were going to be off right. mainly. Uh, and we had a floating holiday for the show, so we decided to use it then when uh, we would both be off. Uh, and then I will be appearing from uh, out of town on vacation via the laptop for, I don't know, an hour or so. Yeah, break it down. Yeah, just hang out. You'll see the the players in Harbortown in the background, and maybe they'll fire some uh, tee shots into me. That could be amusing for the the viewers. I actually don't think anyone's going to have it. I mean, it's totally, like, the third and fourth, not only is it a company holiday, but, like, people expect us to do a show on 4th of July, no. And, I mean, we have... We've done this show five days a week now for, like, since Memorial Day, so I don't think anyone could have any complaints. Like, are you, like, bragging about doing the show for a month? No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, it's not like we've, like, been off from the show for, like, a day. Like, we've been doing 
normal schedule. So having a day off the day after Fourth of July, I don't think anyone will have any complaints. If they do, so what? <laughs> oh, I'm done with complaints. Yeah. You are officially done. They can complain all they want. Uh, Mr. Nipples has already started to complain. He says, Tim, I am already so effing hot and mad about your guys' time off. I'm so pissed I'll fist my grandfather? It's from Mr. Nipples. Sinbad, I'm going to do a joke to put it in there at like 4 p.m. every day. You know, high <laughs> drive time. Listening. Yeah, but I didn't. Uh, just tuning in, did you guys discuss the Young Page Views video that dropped yesterday? That's from Cleavy Wade. Uh, we did not discuss a Young Page Views video that dropped yesterday. What is Young Page Views video that dropped yesterday? He goes in-depth on his exit from Barstool. Like, really does a step-by-step process of it. Um, it's an hour and 22 minutes. I think it was the first podcast episode of his... Juggernaut. Yeah. Juggernaut, yeah. And he goes in-depth on... A lot of the ins and outs of what happened. Some of it you know, some of it you don't. Um, what I found great about right. it was the insight you got into like his mental health and what he was going through when he kind of lost lost it all. Did he talk about some personal situations? Yes, yes. he did. Yes, as in female. Yeah. Oh, he got that's. Yeah, what he, op- he okay. He opened up a lot about it. Okay, because I mean that guy went through brutal time. He yeah, was, I was actually going to. Who is it? You might have been. You probably would have been the only one who was here uh, when he came in with the videographers. Oh, yeah, and you yeah, heard yeah, this, and that yeah. was like back in I don't even know when. Boy, December. We were in our old studio. So right, it was a long time. December, ago. January, and he wanted me to do the interview with him, and I was like, I'm like, I'll do it because I know the story. I know. Well, I should say, and this isn't a shot at him, but there are always two sides to a story. That's what I'm saying, and I don't know. I don't know his uh, ex's side of the story, and I don't know Barstool's side of the story. So, therefore, just because I know him, that doesn't mean I know the story. I know that's inconvenient to the way things oftentimes work with if the story fits your preconceived narrative about someone, then you shall advance it. If the story does not, you will say it is fake. But attempting to be fair, knowing that things can get said about whether it be me or someone else on the show or about our show, and I know that they're not true, you just kind of have some empathy to that situation. So with that said, I know his side of the story when it comes to his professional and personal situation, but I didn't know that he... And when, it, when he asked me to do it, I'm like, I'll be happy to do it, but I thought, God, now I'm going to be on the receiving end of what I assumed would be some Barstool fans coming after me because I'm involved in the interview and uh, I, so i don't know i actually dm'd him after i watched it just to kind of tell him i enjoyed it and i wanted to pick his brain a little bit because i didn't realize he had uh done some of the stool ste- stool scene stuff that the office did and i just have some ideas and i just kind of wanted to pick his brain a little bit and he responded so i'm hoping to get a chance to talk to him about how he puts that all together yeah he was like the i don't want to say inventor but like he did like at the height of stool scenes he was like the one in charge of it which was good stuff. I actually I enjoyed watching those. To me, it looked like he was overwork, underpaid, strictly because of the blues gear. Apparently, if the numbers were accurate that he, he gave, he, he was vague with it. It sounded like it was several hundred thousand dollars worth of merch, which is kind of his baby there in terms of the, his little pet, whatever it was, chinchilla. Boris. Yeah. And so, yeah, and yeah, getting fired a week after signing a four-year contract probably the biggest eye-opener that's what yeah the th- I mean, for me unfortunately eye. i don't know i didn't watch it 
and it's an hour and a half. It's I, an, I didn't watch it either. I, I watched it on 10 second speed. Yeah. And it was. I watched it in about 45 minutes. Um, very in depth. So I know. Good. Like what he told me. Privately, but I don't know if that's what he said publicly. So then, if I start talking about it, I might be talking about things that he intentionally didn't talk about in in, in whatever story he is he is saying. Well, what he said in the episode was that he signed the four-year contract, and then he was off trying to do something with uh, Matt Ganella of Meat Eater, kind of a hunting outdoorsman kind of thing. And when he didn't push the merch on uh, Cyber Monday or Black Friday. They almost demoted him from the bar stool outdoors. He Portnoy publicly said that they were going to replace him with somebody else. And I don't necessarily think he, if I remember correctly, he maybe said he wasn't fired, but he called Erica Nardini and said, I just can't do this anymore. Things had gotten too negative. His mental health was terrible. And he kind of found a way out of his contract. So. That's tough. That's I can't imagine that. It's a. He brought up COVID as being a travel concern for him, and so he was paying travel because Barstool apparently held up any other media buys in terms of his videos and all the sponsors. Like, So he paid his own way to Montana to do an entire part of season two or season three of Barstool Outdoors, and that was on his dime. So my, I, I don't know. He, he brought up that he said he never had a lawyer in – to look at a contract. That was the one thing when we talked. I mean, well, we talked I mean, that's a, lot, a huge but I, when, he, when we were talking, and I remember I was down in Jupiter because I can picture where I was when we were on the phone, which is how my weird memory works, by the way. Uh, and I said, well, what does your attorney say? And he said, well, I didn't have one. Look at the contract. And I go, okay, we got we to gotta have a talk. This is kind of <laughs> like how I handled Jackson in the diaper. We have a talk. <laughs> yeah. I don't awesome. know what to tell you. But I guess because I've been doing this now for, I guess it's a long time. I guess it is, man, 25 years, I suppose. But I remember that in, when, I was, when I was hired at, uh, in Little Rock, I, well, I didn't have a contract, actually, which was one of the reasons why I went there, which might sound weird, but I wanted the ability to be able to leave. And then I, when I got the offer at KMOV, I went into the news director to let him know, not to ask if I could leave. I'm like, I'm just letting you know I'm leaving because I'm going to go back to St. Louis. And he goes, well, I guess what, you had your contract. I go, I don't have a contract. And he goes, oh, well, then that's easy. And I go, shows my value that it's that. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, what are we paying you? And I, and I told him, and he just started laughing. And I go, I mean, I know it's not a lot, but wow. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, you didn't counter? And I go, well, I mean, I guess coming out of college, I didn't know that you, that you counter. How much leverage, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, exactly. What leverage do I have? I'm the number three guy in Little Rock. <laughs> Um, but it's one of those things that if you don't know, it's not like they tell you it in a book. No, you're right. But yeah. And then I, then I got the job at KMOB and I had this guy who kind of wanted to represent me, who's still in the business actually. Um, and he was with, uh, I think it was William Morris actually, which is weird, but I guess what they try to do is they try to find young people and then they get them on board and then they try to guide them as opposed to when they're already established. And I was 23 at that time. And then I started, I didn't hire him, but I started talking to the news director with the advice that he gave me. And he goes, here's a, here's a piece of advice. I'd stand down on this agent talk if I were you. And I go, okay, I'll shut her down. I'm happy to start whenever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but you kind of find where you, you know, when you got the juice and when you don't. And having an attorney review any contract, this is an advice uh, to all of the, I don't care how old you are, that is... That is as standard as it gets. That is step number one, period. 
And when he told me that, I was just like, oh, God, no. Because, you know, again, I don't know what was said, whatever show he did. Um, so I don't want to say something that wasn't intended to be public. But if he did talk about that, then that's one thing that I, when he told me that, I'm like, dude, you can't ever do that. And I go, and it's you against a huge corporation. It's got nothing to do with whether people like Barstool or not. It's a huge corporation. Right. You are at a disadvantage. That's just the game, man. That's any corporation, much less one of that magnitude. You gotta, you gotta line that up. And you're, I think he was like 28 or 29 at the time. I'm like, come on. And I, and I think he was engaged at the time too. So you gotta think about your future. And also, like, Barstool was. And they were living together in uh, just a little south of us in, in I think West, downtown West Palm, actually, because we got together for dinner in like May, and then they broke up. Like a couple weeks later, and I really liked her, Sam. She was in studio with us. But oh yeah, remember that? Were you on the board or were you in furlough mode? I, I was on the board. For Sicko that. mode. Yeah, uh, like a book. <laughs> you were. You probably weren't on the show then. No, I, I remember listening to that segment in the parking lot of the movie theater I was working at. But uh, yeah, he was a man in love. So I mean, picture it. You lose, you know, a personal thing and a professional thing, and then you're then you're in the spot that you're in, being on that platform which has the social media activity it does and social media i would just say in general if you are in a spotlight of any form is a negative for your psychology um but much less that one while you're doing dealing with both of those things that compounds oh well that that's part of the reason why it was such a good listen for me a lot of that resonated with me he was such a fan of barstool and grinded and grinded and grinded and finally got an interview with portnoy and found his way in and then kind of going through the ups and downs. It, it was a good listen for me, and there wasn't a whole lot of new information in there if you already kind of know the story, but I enjoyed hearing him talk about his mental health and his rebound, and I thought it was a good listen. Uh, well, that's good to hear. I'll have to listen to it. I got the I got some traveling to do, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to take a listen. But you can watch it? It's a YouTube video. I, I had it. I just listened to it. I didn't watch it because he kind of set it up, and... Um, he played the role of the interviewer, and then he talked about, oh, I'm bringing out a guest, and then, I guess, via some sort of Photoshop, his guest was himself, so it was himself interviewing himself. So I, I would recommend just listening. Okay. I will, uh, I, will rec- I, will do, I will do that, actually. I do appreciate you, that. It's good stuff. Do you go podcasts on the plane or uh, audiobooks? Um, podcast or music if I'm working, if yeah. I'm doing spreadsheets, which right. is usually what I'm doing yeah. or you know playing a role in handling a, a five-year-old yeah, it's probably th- <laughs> things have changed a little bit in the past uh tim kairu did the intro too yeah he lived with kairu for a while we yeah. talked about a blues player which obviously if you can decipher it was kairu oh that so that wasn't public somebody just texted in kairu did the intro too. well because he was talking about a scenario to where when he was on the contract issue like he was on that subject of not having an attorney and I think he was talking about when he was friends with a blues player who turned down sixty million or seventy million because he knew he could get more. When YP was like, "Oh, well, you're getting seventy million. Just sign it, sign it, sign it." And he was using an example of why he should have used an attorney or had somebody with some sort of contract yeah, experience like, look at. That's an agent one, I would say, yeah. even more than an attorney, but an attorney at the very least. Tim, do people get mad when you want a lawyer to review contracts before signing? I don't give a damn if they do, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not signing. Then you're somebody I don't want to do business with. Bingo. So it, actually, it's a it's an insta tell. Yeah. Unfortunately, 
at least with this company, I suppose past operations could have been, been. But I mean, you know, we have a running joke here, and I don't know how much they were really amused by it at the time, but I'm dead serious. Uh, we had 20 versions for real of my contract, 20 versions of my contract. I'm not talking about the terms. I'm talking about the language um, here. And I think they were just like, this guy's insane. <laughs> but it wasn't, I mean, I don't know what the hell I'm reading. The thing's, you know, right. however thick. It's my attorney. Right. Um, and, and it had to do more, not necessarily my, my personal services so much as the inside STL and the intellectual property elements of that and having to get an, an IP attorney and it's all stuff that's beyond me. And But that's the thing. It's beyond me. That's why I know I don't know. So you get somebody. Right. You if, know? If a company got mad for you doing your due diligence, right. then it's probably a company you don't want to work for. Right. When Barstool has created, like, huge personality of making a ton of money, but on the flip side... It's also a company that could easily take advantage of a guy like YP where he's doing a lot for less. And I, I think in the end, I think Barstool made a huge mistake, though, because their Barstool Outdoors is non-existent. I love Sydney Wells. I've known her for a while. But oh, you know the person who oh, dude, her, Barstool Tim Outdoors? Wells, her dad, is a legend, a god in the Canton-Fulton County area. He's a hunting guru. He, he goes out with professional athletes all the time, so he's well-known. Sydney is his, her young, or his daughter, who is... A few years younger than me, I knew the Wells family, and it was, I mean, it's great, but all they do is white-tailed white deer hunt and do some bass fishing. What YP was doing and what he was going to be doing before he got canned, he talks about it on the YouTube uh, podcast that he did, it, it, it would have been something that would have been very profitable and fun for Barstool. Now Barstool Outdoors is kind of blah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I really think YP... I mean, both of them probably didn't handle it the best, but th that COVID stretched where you don't... I mean, there were, Barstool was halting any videos, but YP had a bunch of things lined up, so he's paying out of his pocket. I, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, Portnoy, completely. Portnoy pulled all of his uh, backing of YP's travel, and that yeah, kind of put so the kibosh on what he was trying to do. So when was you're that before or after he signed the contract? Before. Really? Because he, he YP, was, YP was worried... Since that happened and uh, Erica wanted to talk to YP, YP thought he was getting fired. And so that then a couple of days later, he was in New York or talked to Erica, and that was when the four-year contract came up. So that – because when Dave halted all production, he just assumed he was getting canned. But they did that, I think, for financial reasons. They weren't for sure what the money was going to be flowing in. It's a it's So he was terminated a week after signing a four-year contract. I don't even know if it was a week. Was it a full week? I think he. I think the way YP describes is it a week. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you say he didn't wild. get fired? He quit. No, he was. I mean, him and Dave got in that. I mean, Twitter altercation, which you never want to have happen. I mean, it looked. Yeah, not many people go up against Portnoy and come out of that unscathed. Yeah. I thought he said he quit. He was getting mm -hmm. tired of it and for his mental health and everything, so he just quit. Well, if and if signed I a four-year contract. And you get fired. I mean, chances are you're getting some money out of it. Right. Oh, I no. think he asked to be let out of his contract when he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I know his side of the story, and I, you know, and, and I haven't watched the podcast, so I'm probably beyond incredibly worthless on this because uh, I haven't seen it, and I don't know what has been said, and then I don't want to say something that wasn't, you know, meant for public consumption. Um, so I'll have to watch it, though, and <laughs> I'll be happy to... He was very complimentary of Pat Maroon and his wife Fran on kind of dragging him, pulling him up by the bootstraps yeah. when he was down. Yeah. Good listen.
All right, uh, there it is, uh, Cleavy Wade. Uh, you have uh, the perspective. I'll have to watch it. So it's on YouTube? That's where it is? Yeah, I didn't. I tried to find the pod, just the audio on Spotify, and I didn't see it, so I played it on YouTube. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got it. Uh, all right. Uh, Ryan Kelly is the presenting sponsor of this program. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. He is our title sponsor, and he is who I recommend you do business with. If you're looking for a home, the way things are working now, and anybody who's looking for a home is well aware of this, uh, the supply, limited, the demand, high. If a home goes on the market, it is going to be gone super quickly. Make sure you are ready to go by working with thehomeloanexpert.com in Advance. That's Ryan Kelly. That's who I have worked for, uh, worked with, I should say, for both uh, getting pre-approved and refinancing. Man, thank goodness I did. Sweet mother of mercy. Uh, Thehomeloanexpert.com. Title sponsor of this program and somebody who I have gotten to know quite well over the last, uh, I would say, 11, 12 years. It's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, and I recommend him. My family's done business with him. I've done business with him. I would recommend you do business with them as well. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. Maggie O'Brien's for your pre- and post-game, for Cardinals games, for Doggies games. Go on down to Market Street or go to the Sunset Hills location or have Maggie O'Brien's cater your party at home. And you're networking with Eddie McVeigh, one of the best in the business for my money. Uh, Maggie O'Brien's is on Market Street for decades. They have been taking care of St. Louisans with family-run Good times, music, and food, and drink. It's Maggie O'Brien's in Sunset Hills and on Market Street, where Union Station is next to them. Text in 314-881-TMA5, EDF Group text inbox. Call in 636-9004-TMA and email in the morning after at insidestl.com for our design air heating and cooling email of the day. And if you would like... Sign up. Apply to be the TMA Lister of the Month, which is presented to you by Milagro Tequila. Welcome to a brighter side of tequila with Milagro. Adam Wainwright, disaster last night. Uh, and uh, I was anxious to see what he had to say in the post game, And uh, there was very little spin to it from Adam Wainwright following the debacle last night with the Cardinals losing 14 to nothing and him lasting an inning and two-thirds, allowing six earned runs and uh, getting worked for the second straight start, which was the 400th of his career. He remains at 198 wins. Uh, here is what Adam Wainwright had to say. I was one pitch away from, uh, from a zero there in the second and then gave up you know, five or six hits in a row there, all in the middle of the plate, just bad, 
bad execution and uh, no excuses. Just can't explain it. Just not pitching good. Two games in a row. How difficult is it this for you personally? Your last season, you, you want to do well for the team, and it's just not there to this point. How difficult is this for you? Well, I was trending the right way until the last two, so um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to compartmentalize these two starts, you know, and and, uh, and build build off of other things I've done well, and you know, get better at the things I haven't done well. But I've I've not executed well. I mean, that's plain and simple. Uh, I've have got outs with worse stuff before than than I had tonight, and and. Uh, they weren't missing anything because I'm throwing it right in the middle of the plate. You know, it's just, there's no excuse for that. Big league hitters hit balls in the middle of the plate, and I threw a few of them in a row. There it is. There's Adam Wainwright. Here's what Ollie Mormol had to say about it. Um, I would say just upset more than emotional. He's a competitor who's having a, a tough time navigating the lineup at the moment. So um, it's expected to be upset. And, uh, He's never been more determined to figure out a way out of it. So that's where we're at. Uh, Dusty Baker said the following in the postgame. I've been watching him for years. He's a quality guy. He's one of the best guys you'll ever meet. We had to do what we had to do. You hate to see him walk off sadly like that, but it happens to all of us. He's had a great career, and I'm hoping he gets those two victories he needs or more for 200. Like I said, he's one of the best guys you will ever meet. For the record, he now has a 7.45 ERA per John Denton of MLB.com and a friend of the show. He said he was in tears as he sat on the top of the Cardinals bench after being pulled. Wainwright was consoled by manager Ali Marmol, who offered several pats to the hurler's chest. Wainwright admitted that he kept his gaze toward the grass so as to not get emotional as he left the field, even with fans behind the dugout cheering for him. Um, Adam Wainwright at a point of I would say a crossroads on how he is going to handle uh, his final three months of his career. Ali Marmol says he is planning on him taking the ball for his next start. Plowhawk, I can tell you're chopping at the bit. Um, I, I, I know a lot about him, Wainwright. But what are we? Is he going to start the rest of the year to get 200 wins? Are we? Lo- my question here is, are we looking to have him ride in the sunset with that number? Are we looking to compete and try to win the division? Because both can't be true. You can't trot him out for another start and try to justify it to the fans and, you know, to everybody that, you know, you're you're trying to win at the same time. And, again, law of Adam Wainwright, regardless of what so happened. What, what would your recommended course of action be? You let him decide that. I think this is what, if he wants to take an IL stint, you know, maybe for 15 days, I think he wants the ball, wants to try to fix it. But at the same time, it's like Steven Matt's trotting out there. But it, it, you know what's going to happen, and are you putting the best people out there? It's not like a deep rotation, anyways. But I, I think this is his decision where he wants to go on the IL or. So what if Wainwright says, I want, want to keep pitching? Yeah, I know? guess you have really no choice. Okay. Uh, and, and Marmol certainly is not going to get in the way. Maybe if, you know, Wainwright had to talk with upper management, maybe it would be different. But, I mean, he is above almost everybody right now. Uh, but it's not it, – it looks terrible. I watched that game, and it was – Did you really? Yeah, it was hard to watch. I mean, that thing watch. was over in the second <laughs> inning. I well, I, that's when I turned – I mean, I, I'd like to watch Adam Wainwright. Time to kill, you got to see Alec Burleson go in there and throw a – 
thrown inning and Bish, have Bish Alec, well uh, wing, right? uh, Bregman. Uh, well, he gave up four runs, so it depends on your perspective. <laughs> uh, he uh, gave up a grand slam to Bregman, who broke the uh, an A in the Big Mac land sign. They hammered that ball. Oh, yeah. oh my! Who the God. hell did he strike out? That guy should quit. He had a strikeout, so somebody struck out. <laughs> He's not retiring mid-season, right? Or midway, no, th- like no, that's not possible. Zero, zero I saw- yeah, I mean, they're really only like option that I guess they could do is move him to the bullpen, but you know that's going to be tough. I don't think he wants to do that at all. I, I if I'm just speculating, I bet he would want to go out there tomorrow and try again. Like he's such a deep competitor, but it's just at the final year of your career. I was reading an article Bernie wrote the other day talking about. Bob Gibson had a terrible ERA in his final season. Jim Palmer had a terrible ERA in his final season. Steve Carlton, it's, he's not alone in your last season of pitching being your worst. So it's a really tough spot that they're in, but what can you really do outside of try to get them right? No, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out next outing and has a good outing. I mean, he's the guy that can figure things out. Yeah. He's been in this situation before where he's had some bad games and I can't get the ball over the plate. And when I do, I just groove it. My fastball is just nothing. My breaking balls not going anywhere and then he figures it out and rattles off three or four so the issue is the velocity is so down it's like 83 uh that even if you have in last night you know he was talking about how he wasn't able to get the spin on the breaking ball and if he did it was just right out over the middle of the plate and they just started hammering it i mean teams know that that's his weapon and uh and it's coming in at in the mid-ish 80s now. Right, which depletes his changeup, too. You know, that doesn't really work when you can't throw the fastball. So I would think just because of his personality that he will not quit. But I wouldn't, I have to tell you, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not operating on a high level of confidence with that. I'm not on a Bill's wife as a man <laughs> level of confidence on that. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I would generally be close to shocked if he was like, yeah, I'm going to have to shut it down in the middle of the season. I'd also be pretty surprised if he was cool with a move to the bullpen. I mean, you're going to run out of starters if you just keep moving everybody, not named Jordan Montgomery, to the bullpen. So, no, I think what will happen is if, I, I really think he'll have a good game his next outing. If he has two more outings like this, he'll just say, I need to take some time off, put me on the IL, I'll, maybe I'll rest, take some, figure some things out. He's not going to quit. That would be my guess. Yeah, I would be surprised. He'll give it another couple outings. Uh, for the record, he is scheduled to uh, pitch for the Cardinals on the 4th of July. Against the Marlins? Against the Marlins, who for the record are 14 games over 500. Yeah, that's not the uh, cupcake it used to be. With uh, with Skip Schumacher in charge. The Marlins, uh, if they were in a lot of divisions, they would be in first place. They'd be tied for first in the West. They'd be... You know, I think they might have clinched the American League Central and the National League Central already. And uh, they'd just be a game back of the Rangers in the West, game and a half back. Uh, so that gives you an idea of the job that Skip Schumacher with a team that I, I would I would gather. I don't know it off the top of my head, and people are welcome to correct me if they would like. I would gather their win total was at best 75 going into the season. Yeah. And they're sitting there 48 and 34. They're just in a division with a team that's, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, but the Phillies have gotten right, and uh, and the Marlins are leading them by four games. They're just six games back of the Atlanta Braves. So Skip Schumacher is doing some things. I was watching an interview with Skip Schumacher, by the way, that he did with Dan Lebitard. 
Levitard had him in studio, and uh, you know Levitard does his show for Miami Beach, and Skip obviously is in Miami, and uh, he said uh, how high he is on the coaching staff, of which John Jay, who was in studio mm-hmm. with us last year, is the first base coach, and he said, you know, I've been on some staffs where it's really toxic, where people are going for other guys' jobs, and we don't have that here. And I go, oh. He's only really been on. He's been on two staffs, Padres, Padres and Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So. Hope he's talking about the same. Well, I know Padres thing. fans certainly think it's them. Yeah. And Cardinals fans who are aware of the interview think it's them. Um, it could be both. Yeah, maybe uh, it's both. You know, it could be both. I mean, you're talking about the two of the biggest disappointments in baseball. I mean, the Cardinals are 14 games under 500, and the Padres with that payroll are seven games under 500. So, you know, I don't know what Skip Schumacher's got going, but whatever it is, it's quite successful right now in Miami. And I'm happy for him, man. That's a guy I remember having him on when I was watching him do that interview with Levitard. I remember saying to Doug and the cat, because uh, he was on TMA one day, and we got done, I go, holy crap, that is, that's a baseball guy in the sense that either if he wants to manage, coach, or broadcast, he will be outstanding. And... Uh, and maybe he's going to wind up being a hell of a manager. I mean, if he makes it work in Miami and, you know, the Yankees right now, even though they're nine games under five or above 500, it, if you're not in first place there, they're not happy. Um, or take your pick of whenever Dusty Baker decides to shut it down, you know, uh, if another organization, you know, he already has coached for the Padres, that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Or right here in St. Louis, uh, that, that I, would, I would say I don't think Skip Schumacher would be long for the Miami Marlins. Yeah, I have a buddy who's a journalist who interviewed Skip Schumacher once and said it was like, you know, a 10, 15-minute planned interview kind of thing, and Skip gave him like two hours. Couldn't really? Have, couldn't have been any nicer, was super introspective and candid about his career, uh, especially in St. Louis. Uh, was like the nicest guy. Was like driving in his car up and down the PCH, just talking to him for like an hour and a half, two hours. And that right? Super, he said it was like super, super cool, and couldn't say enough good things about him. So, um, totally believe it. If I'm Skip, I'm staying in Miami over this for sure. And I think playing in St. Louis and being a manager in St. Louis is two different dynamics. Like you're loved and a god in St. Louis in terms of playing. You get. Skip has gotten like four standing ovations when he left the Cardinals. And no offense to Skip, he hasn't he wasn't like that everyday go to player here. He was more of a role player. But as a manager, you gotta deal Doug with got him to second base. <laughs> you you got you gotta deal with Mosaic and you kind of look at the writing on the wall. If Mar- Marmol gets fired, you're gonna be the fifth manager in seven, eight years. You see Mike Schilt winning manager of the year, winning seventeen games in a row. But you have issues and so they fire you. I, I do I I don't like – I wouldn't like it here. <laughs> as, a man, as a manager, I just flat out would not like having a dude wearing an ascot and a sweater looking over my shoulder telling me how to run a baseball team. And uh, I just – there's no way I could convince myself to leave Miami, Florida, to come to St. Louis, Missouri, to have John Mosellock be your shadow manager. It's just not working. And I can't believe you can't get on balloon party. Well, that's what it should be said. And this stuff should be said. John Mozeliak is ruining this. It's just plain and simple. Next year is going to be awful, too, man. 
next year and could be so much worse than this year. I'll tell you this. The next month is, it's kind of, I mean, I never thought ever that with both the Blues and the Cardinals that we'd be monitoring the trade deadline like we most likely will be. But uh, the Cardinals had the third worst uh, ERA so far anyway. I guess there's one more night in the month of June uh, in all of baseball. Third worst staff ERA. And the thing about it, both with the Blues and with the Cardinals, and this is what makes it so tilting for fan bases, is in both cases, when the Blues fell, a lot of people, and this wasn't uh, Monday morning quick, because there were certainly, I'm sure, some people who are critical of Adam Wainwright getting what he got, but there weren't many. Now there's a bunch of people saying it. Now there's a bunch of people complaining about the Contreras contract. I was a voice in the wilderness on that one uh, when that was done. Uh, but on the Blues one in Peron, that was something I was seeing left and right on 101 ESPN. People were really surprised and confused by that. Like, this is, you know, you haven't really done much this offseason. And then they have the problems they have, and then they go, see, we said that was going to be a problem, and it was, and look at the season you have. That's a problem for an organization. With the Cardinals, people were all over the rotation. And the Cardinals were pointing at Jack Flaherty. I don't know how many times when I was sitting down in Jupiter and we were doing, whether it be this show or balloon party. And I would ask the guests we have, we have only on and we have uh, John Denton on. And I go, what is this thing with Jack Flaherty? I just, he isn't, that, that's not who he is anymore. And that, that's the guy that you're pointing to is the answer for the, the team's question marks at starting pitching. But you're also going to trot out a 41-year-old Adam Wainwright who was, we can't do revisionist history on Adam Wainwright. He was possibly going to be the number one starter in the postseason before he fell off in September. Uh, so that's an important thing to note if we're going to have an honest discussion about Adam Wainwright. But Stephen Matz, yeah, right. You know, I mean, and then and and Jordan Montgomery and and uh, Miles Michaelis round the thing out. And you know, one guy is under contract, but beyond 2023, and you're the the favorite to win the Central with Adam Wainwright's final year and Paul Goldschmidt. 35 years old, 36 in September, and, and Nolan Arnato doesn't opt out, and your one move was to get a catcher who wasn't really allowed to play catcher for many games for the Cubs? What the hell's going on? That's why I still think that there's something else, with whether it be with the Bally's thing or something else. I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's just be. so ridiculous. Point being, people were critical and concerned about it going in, and then it plays out in addition to issues with... Uh, the outfield and the offense you've gotten there, and you have both the Cardinals and Blues fan bases going, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. And that's why I think the angst is at an all-time high. And by the way, justifiably so. So now over the next month, you could see the Cardinals uh, in seller mode, but we've just never seen it in a build a wit season, like a real seller mode. Not never like seen it kinda in my life. Luke Voigt. Yeah, you haven't seen it in your life. Never. Like a real seller mode, a right. real seller Like what mode. the Blues did at the deadline or yes. around it this Which year. was incredibly obvious to do. This one's a little different. And this is the Cardinals, and this is Bill DeWitt, the chairman who likes the, okay, we go in with a chance every year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think just by selling, that means you don't have a chance next year. Um, but that's the decision that they will have to make. And losing 14 to nothing and Adam Wainwright pitching like he's pitching combined with other starters having their issues uh, just speaks to a real, uh, I mean, monster July from 
decision-making standpoint in that front office. All right, we'll take a break, close out the 8 o'clock hour. You are listening to the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Uh, we got the drops of the week coming up nice. in the 9 o'clock hour and the design air heating and cooling email today. We'll do the drops of the week next. This is the Ryan Kelly Morning After from the Michelob Ultra Studios.